I will never write a single line which I have not first felt in my own heart. He'll teach you everything! Truer words were never spoken. All right. Language and writing were made available. I'm writing this down. This is good stuff. I'm John. This is John Helps You Write Better. So let's talk about how to write better. And today I've got, I've got an exercise for us. I've got something to consider when it comes to some base writing stuff. It's been a while since we've had an exercise. So I'm excited to really dive into this today. Here are three ways to handle a scene with two characters. I want to take a look at three of the most common constructions for two character scenes and talk about the pros, cons, pluses, minuses, and how to make them tick. And we're going to start with a really, really simple one, a two-person conversation. Now, the most common problem with a two-person conversation is that the writer sitting down writing is going to nail the dialogue, really make it clear that this character is saying one thing and the other character is saying another. And they really work on the dialogue and they draw attention to the dialogue. They put each line, you know, on its own space so it's easily readable. And maybe they throw in some dialogue tags. Maybe they throw in some adverbs. And it becomes a little bit about the voice of the character and the sound and what they're saying and less about the world. As if when the characters are speaking, the background just drops to black or fades to white and it's just about what's being said. This is a huge problem because no conversation in a story, I don't care what story it is, no conversation occurs in a vacuum and no conversation occurs independent of the world in which it exists. Meaning, if you and I are talking, then our conversation takes up time and takes up space. I'm currently pacing around my house recording this while I'm gathering some thoughts. And all my steps matter. I'm leaving impressions in the carpet. I'm stepping around the cat who's following me. I'm looking out the window. I'm thinking while I talk. All these things matter. And in a two-person conversation, you cannot neglect the value of bringing up those other details. So yes, it's very important that character A talk to character B about I don't know, whatever they're thinking or feeling, whatever it might be. But equally valuable here is that moment when we want to build tension. So we kick out to a different element. A is talking to B, you know, and B is quiet. And maybe B is strumming their fingers on the table. And you talk about the table or you talk about their fingers. Those little details to take us away from the words make the words when we come back feel a bit more impactful. The number one problem writers have when writing two-person conversations is that they forget that the rest of the world exists. They forget not so much that other characters are overhearing it and they'll gasp because that's just more talking. But they forget that conversations take place in rooms and rooms have things happening in them and atmospheres and other senses can be engaged. The worry I most frequently hear is, well, I don't want to slow the story down. You're not going to slow the story down for a sentence about how in the silence between A and B talking, there's the buzz of fluorescent lights overhead. 
you're not going to slow the story down for a sentence or two about how A stared daggers into B after, you know, B makes a statement or something. The pacing of your story is not so fragile. The pacing of your story is not so ephemeral. You can manage it. It's a knob. You can adjust it. Do not neglect in your two-person, and this is true for three-person, five-person, ten-person conversations, do not neglect the outside world in your conversation scenes. Another common problem in a conversation scene is that there's too much talking and not enough silence. This is, I think, a problem uh, stemming out of people's relationship to television or streaming media where there is an active need to always have noise, to always have characters talking. I say a thing, you say a thing, and maybe we say it really quickly. Maybe we're trying to go for that old-timey banter, you know, the, the old 1940s kind of, I say a thing, no, you say a thing, no, I say a thing, and we're bouncing back and forth to create some kind of lyricism. You don't always need to have a character respond verbally in order to have it be a response. Yes, some scenes in some contexts require a character to say a specific set of words because it moves things forward. But if A and B are arguing and B doesn't know what to do, what's to stop B from walking out of the room and slamming the door? What's to stop A from just flipping B off? It's still a response. And depending on how you detail it, it can be more impactful than words. If A makes B cry and A walks away and leaves B sobbing, doesn't that say plenty? Doesn't that say a lot more than, you know, A having some kind of lengthy monologue paragraph about how B is a terrible person or that they shouldn't have let the aliens kidnap their baby or whatever the context of the story is? Do not neglect silence. Do not neglect the outside world either. Let's say we're not having a dialogue scene, though. Let's say we're having an action scene. Let's say it's a fight, a physical fight, a boxing match, a sword fight, a car chase. Not every action scene needs to alternate evenly between A and B. A makes a move. B makes a move. Like we're playing chess or checkers. And we only have this binary of one side, then the other, then the other, and back and forth and back and forth. You can do that. And for a lot of the time, that's okay. But sometimes it helps to slow it down. A, B, A, B. Spend more time with B because we're trying to suggest that the next thing B does is carrying the weight or is a response to not just the last thing A did, but all the things up to that moment. Think of chess. I don't know if you know chess, but I move one pawn and then I move, let's say, my bishop. Now, instead of just responding to the pawn move, you also have to contend with the bishop move. And it's the two moves together that might influence your choice. Things are collective that way. They're additive that way. Because what we're trying to do in order to create tension to drive our story forward, to keep the reader engaged, is give 
a break to the expected pattern of A to B to A to B to A to B because after a while the reader will just glaze over because they'll know what to expect and they'll skim until they find an interesting word or an interesting phrase then they'll re-engage. We want to make sure that the reader is hooked and sticking with A or B through the course of their actions. The other major problem with uh, a two-person action scene is that the actions themselves are the only thing getting described. A punches B, and then we talk about the punch. We talk about the effects of the punch, the weight of the punch, the way the punch moves. But we don't talk about, now we're going to take a note back from our dialogue discussion, we don't talk about how the world reacts to the punch, even if there's nobody around. What's the sound of the punch? How does the punch stagger the other person? What does the blood feel like? The reactions and responses to an action are as important and valuable in painting an effective picture as describing the action being taken itself. If I'm going to do the crane kick and kick the, the blonde kid in the face to win the karate tournament, it's actually less important for me to talk about the feeling of the blonde kid's face on my toes and more about the moment where I don't think I can do the crane kick janitor from my apartment building. I am full of doubt, but it's the janitor nodding his head enthusiastically at me that makes me believe I can. You get to pick and choose on what you put the focus on in your action scenes. It doesn't only need to be the two guys having a fast-moving knife fight or a big judo block throw fest. Where do you want to focus on a sentence-by-sentence basis, knowing that it's additive? Do I want to focus on the grapple? Do I want to focus on the hip toss? Do I want to focus on the headbutt? Do I want to focus on the gun going off? Pick and choose and reassign your focus in every sentence. Yes, it's okay if the focus stays where it is for a few sentences. It's totally fine. No one's going to care. But by and large, if we're looking to be effective and evocative, you have to know that you have the potential to move the focus as needed, when needed. So we've covered dialogue and we've covered action. What if we covered just passive scenes? What if we just... just had a moment where two characters are coming up on a hike, they're hiking and they come up on a vista and they just see open space and they're both marveling at, wow, look at the canyon below us. Where do we put our focus? Where do we put our idea? Where do we paint the picture? A lot of writers will put the focus on the vista, the thing being seen as though the reader is the third person on this hike. That's 90% of the time going to be the right move. But sometimes in order to better contextualize the view of that valley down below, we have to go into the heads of our characters. Maybe it's just one character because we're in first person. Maybe it's both characters because we're in third person. Who knows? But in order to better contextualize just the wow of that view, it can be helpful to get it through the lens and perspective, however limited or biased, that character might be. If we are following character A, who's never really traveled before, and this is the first time they're seeing 
I don't know, a canyon, then their perspective, although it might be technically geographically detailed, is still coming from a position of, I've never seen this before. Wow. Now, if character B is a geologist and they've seen rocks forever and ever, then, yeah, they might have seen this all before and maybe they'll get some sense of satisfaction that A is seeing it for the first time, but it's still not going to give you that wow factor if the wow factor is what you want. Important here is the decision. What is it that you, the writer, want in all of these cases? On a sentence-by-sentence level, this happens, that happens, he says this, she says that. They go here, they see this. Sentence by sentence. What is it you were trying to get across to the reader? That's what matters. That's what's important. One sentence at a time, one step at a time, one idea at a time. Evoke and engage over and over and over again, and your reader will always stay hooked. Fun fact, right before we leave, that pacing you're worried about, if you've kept them engaged, they won't question the pacing because they'll keep reading no matter what. Give that some thought. I'll talk to you later.